0: Hello and welcome to the NicheSiteTools.com podcast where we share experiences, tips and tools to help everyone achieve a greater level of success with their online adventures. Hello everyone, welcome back to the NicheSiteTools.com podcast. Welcome to episode number 47 and today it's going to be all about a checklist for how to get set up online. So this is something a couple of folks have asked me over the uh, past several months on if there's a particular set of things that I do when I set up a new website, particular set of plugins, kind of like a checklist type of thing to go down anytime you set up a new website. And because I just recently did this for my wife, I thought that was a great opportunity to kind of keep track of what I do. So I kind of jotted down notes as I was doing it, um, knowing that I would want to do a future episode on the topic, so that's what we're gonna talk about today. And I'm just going to do really quick thank you to Danny and Susan for subscribing via email this past week. Thank you so much. And if you are not yet subscribed, you can head over to nichesitetools.com forward slash subscribe and put in your name, your first name preferably, and then an email address. And I'll be glad to give you a shout out on the show. And you will instantly get my keyword research guide and also my seven simple SEO tips. And just a quick heads up as well, next week I'm going to be out of town Friday through Monday, so we're not going to have a podcast episode next weekend. I'll be heading up to New York State to visit some family, my 90, I want to say 92, could be 93. You think about that, 22, yes, 93-year-old grandmother and uh, several other relatives, an aunt turning 80, and uh, just going to be meeting up with a lot of family and friends that I haven't seen in a while. It's been a couple of years since I've been up there where I grew up, so it'll be great to see everyone, but unfortunately, it's going to be really cold. It actually snowed this week. This week, we've been sitting in the 80 degrees, 70 degree temperatures, beautiful sunshine, a little bit of rain recently, but it's been wonderful spring in Florida, and I get to go back and experience some really cold temperatures, so we are all not looking forward to that weather because most of us live in uh, Atlanta, Florida, places where it's warmer, so, but anyway, next weekend we will not have an episode, and the following weekend is going to be up in the air, I'm not sure yet. If you follow golf, the um, TPC Sawgrass Players Championship is Mother's Day weekend. That's going to be the following weekend. And we live in the community where that golf course is. So this is the first year we just moved, if you've been following along, about a month ago. And uh, we are in that community. So it's going to be interesting to see kind of what goes on. I'm sure we'll uh, attend the events either Friday, Saturday, Sunday, one of those days, two of those days, I'm not quite sure. So I'm not sure that I'm going to have a much of time Uh, that end of the week there to record an episode or that weekend. I'm sure we're going to have some friends over and enjoy the fun and festivities going on that whole weekend. So it may be two weeks before we have the next episode. Not quite sure unless something urgent comes up that I need to get out. With that said, let's go ahead and get right into the content for this week. And like I mentioned, a lot of folks have asked probably over the last year, I've had three or four different people ask me if I have a checklist or a set, uh, you know, key items like certain plugins or certain rituals that I go through anytime I create a new website. And certainly there is probably about, I would say, maybe 30 to 45 minutes worth of activities that I do anytime I set up a new website. And this particular time when I set up my wife's website about two months ago, I actually signed up for new hosting through Bluehost. It's something I'd wanted to do for a while, and I had several other sites on my old Web Hosting Hub account, which is where I got started. But I wanted to switch over to Bluehost. It's one of the more popular ones, and I see a lot of my friends use it, and they've had some great successes with it. So when I set out to create my wife's website, I signed up for a new three-year plan for Bluehost. And if you are looking for hosting or you don't have your hosting account set up, I definitely recommend two different uh, companies depending on your situation. Bluehost I recommend for longer-term hosting. If you know you're going to stick with it and you have some upfront cash in order to sign up for a year or more of service in one time, I highly recommend Bluehost for that. And you can go through my link to get a discount, which is nichesitetools.com forward slash Bluehost. Bluehost. And if you have the money, I highly, highly, highly recommend signing up for three years up front. And there is no particular reason for that other than you will save a lot of money. It doesn't uh, change anything as far as my affiliate commission. If you do sign up through that link, it is the same no matter what term you sign up for. But every hosting company I want to let you know up front charges you more for your renewals than they do for your initial sign up. So it's one of those things where they want to entice you to sign up. And once you sign up for a hosting company, they know that you're not very likely to switch. So they kind of got you locked in. So when you do renew down the road, it's going to be more than you paid up front. Every hosting company is different. And you can do a web search and look for hosting company renewal rates and things like that and find some information. But they're all relatively comparable but uh, the best thing to do if you can sign up for that three years up front it's going to be significantly lower so you have locked in those three-year lower rates so when you average it out over three years it's so much cheaper than if you do it just on a year-by-year basis. So just wanted to mention that up front. A lot of folks find out about those higher renewal rates down the road, and it's kind of a shock to most people, so uh, myself included. So definitely sign up for the longest term that you can. And if you're in this for the long haul, if you definitely have some bunch of different ideas or a bunch of different niche sites that you're gonna try, I highly recommend doing that longer-term rate. So just wanted to mention that up front. And if you don't have the upfront money to pay for several years at once. If you did want to kind of dabble into it, see if it's something you're interested in. You can also go through HostGator, which is the same, uh, they have the same parent company as Bluehost, so same server, same infrastructure on the back end, but they pride themselves in offering a monthly fee, so you can sign up with no yearly commitment and go through HostGator in that way, and that's going to be tools.com forward slash HostGator, and also, I have a special incentive to offer you through there. If you utilize coupon code Niche Site Tools when you sign up, you can get your first month for one penny. So those are two different options. If you want to sign up for longer term hosting and you have the money up front, go through tools.com forward slash Bluehost. And if you don't, if you just wanted to do try things out, do a monthly basis, which is going to be more per month, but it allows you to pay as you go. You can go to tools.com forward slash HostGator and utilize coupon code tools to get that first month for only a penny. But that's you know something everyone's going to need. If you already have hosting, great. You can just skip right ahead to this part we're about to talk about, but if you don't yet have your hosting, you're going to want to use one of those two companies most likely. They're great rates, great customer service, and they offer unlimited hosting. You can host any number of sites that you want. And if you go through either of my links that I mentioned, you will get a substantial discount off the regular price. So that aside, now that you have your hosting or you are going to research and uh, figure out which kind of hosting company you want to utilize, then we go on to the actual setup. So what you need to do once you set up your account with your hosting company, they have instructions on how to get set up. Step-by-step guides, both Bluehost and HostGator have excellent guides on how to get started. But basically what you're going to want to do is the first thing you need is that domain name. So a lot of the companies like Bluehost offer a free domain name. What I recommend is not using that free domain name for one of your main websites. So think of that as kind of a test site. They give you a free domain name for a year and then they charge you whatever the full rate is for the subsequent renewal years. So in my case, I use that as a test site. So you can just call that whatever you want. All of your website directories and things are based off that main directory. So just call it something generic so you can utilize something. Uh, this is kind of a place where I install plugins, test plugins, install different themes, make sure things are going to work. I test certain upgrades and I test certain changes on that site only. And it's always great to have that test site just as a place to test things without you know your main site going down without potentially taking an outage, without uh, losing visitors and things like that. It's always great to have that test site as a test bet. And as far as registering new domain names, I recommend that you register all of your domain names through a, a third party. So don't register those domain names through your web host. You don't want to have all your eggs in one basket. And typically, in when you do that, you will get much cheaper rates when you go through a company that specializes in host, in um, domain registration only. So what I use is Namecheap. So you can go to nichesitetools.com forward slash Namecheap and you can get some great deals. What I found is that GoDaddy is who I used to use in the past and they always had these great coupon codes where you could get $1.99 or $2.99 domain names And you could get privacy for relatively cheap. And then when it came renewal time, you could find some other coupons to renew at a cheaper rate. Well, they've since changed their policy. And you can still get domain names on the front end cheap. But what happens come renewal time, they are far higher than most other companies out there. And they know that you're kind of locked in and you probably don't want to change things. So they're getting rid of those coupon codes on the renewal site. So for that reason, I switched recently to using Namecheap for everything going forward. I believe it's around $9 with the discount through Namecheap to register that domain name initially, and that includes the free domain privacy, which I definitely highly recommend. Keeps all of your pri- personal information private so that you don't get spammed via email, via phone calls, which you will if you leave your information out there in the general public. And a lot of times if you're creating niche websites, you don't want your information public as well because people can figure out what other websites you run, and it just opens you up to all sorts of things. So I highly recommend that privacy privacy Uh, domain privacy, as part of your domain registration. And again, Namecheap gives it to you initially for around $9. And I think the renewal rates for the domains are only $12. So It's very competitive, very inexpensive, and they do a great job. I know a lot of folks that have utilized that as well. And uh, all of the reviews that i read online just say they're really great at what they do. So definitely recommend Namecheap for your domain registration. So once you figure out what domain name you want, I would recommend going through Namecheap, getting that domain name, and then setting that up through your hosting account. And again, this isn't gonna be a step-by-step guide on the specific steps you need to do, both Bluehost and HostGator have instructions on exactly how you can add the new domain name to your account and then set up your WordPress site. So it's all there and I will attempt to link to those particular articles as well. And by the way, this particular checklist, what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna create a short link to this. It's gonna be nichesitetools.com forward slash checklist so that you can refer to it. And then any anytime I make any changes, I will be sure to keep that post updated so that you have the latest information available right there. Again, that's nichelighttools.com forward slash checklist. So now we have our hosting, we have our domain name registered, and we've had that added to our hosting account. So now what do we do? Well, now we install WordPress on our site. So if you're using Bluehost or HostGator, they have their cPanel interface. And you just click on the option there for the one-click WordPress install. And you just follow the steps that they provide. And then afterwards, I would want you to make a couple of changes. By default, your administrative account is going to be administrator or something similar. What you're going to want to do is make sure you change that. So depending on your host, they may already recommend that. But if not, you just want to go in there and go to accounts and then change that administrative account to something else. So anybody that tries to hack into your account by default is going to choose whatever comes with WordPress. So they're going to try administrator, they're going to probably try some other variants, but if you leave everything the defaults, you're going to open yourself to easier ability for someone to hack into your website. So I always change my administrative account to something completely different and it depends on the particular site. And I always make sure my password is unique to each individual site as well. So if somebody does somehow get into your hosting account or attempts to hack into your account, and let's say for whatever reason, they were able to figure out your account and password, they wouldn't be able to get into each of your individual websites. So that's something I definitely recommend. I recommend that you change the actual account name from from the default to something else and make sure your password is very unique and different from each of your websites. So once you have your WordPress site set up and your database everything going and your site is there as a default, you are good to log into your website interface. So usually that's your website address forward slash wp-admin. So you go to that, you log in with the account name and password that you just created, and then you are in the WordPress dashboard. Welcome, you have your first website up and running and you probably have a post out there that says hello world or something like that. That is the default and that's what you'll see there. So if you go into your WordPress uh, interface in the WordPress dashboard, this is where you would install themes, you would install plugins and make any configuration changes that you need to. And I'm just going to quick and dirty go through what I change always right off the bat when I go through and what sort of plugins that I set up. So the first thing that I do once I create my website is I go to the general tab here. Let me click over to that real quick. And again, that was settings and then general. And then I changed my site title to match my site name. I changed my site address and I put in the www.sitename.com in there when I do it. And then I save those settings there. And then I click over under settings and go to permalinks and if you click down through that there's a couple of different options to utilize for your permalink setup and what I choose and what I recommend everyone choose is the post name option so you click on the radio button next to post name so that when you do a new post it utilizes most of the words that you're in the title of your article in your URL for your post and that gives you some keywords in your individual posts and that helps as far as SEO goes so that Google kind of knows what your article is about and it definitely helps with rankings and getting more traffic that way. So set that permalink to post name and then hit the save changes button there. So those are the key items that I changed right in the WordPress settings itself. And then from there, typically, like through Bluehost, it's gonna have a couple of default plugins in there already. So if I click over to the plugin settings, usually there's something like Akismet, which is good for anti-spam. Uh, jetpack is installed by default and sometimes there's a hello dolly plugin that really doesn't do anything for you. It creates this uh, particular message in your WordPress dashboard that you see, but it doesn't really do anything, so I always just remove that if it's installed. You can deactivate and delete that Hello Dolly plugin. But a Kismet and Jetpack are two plugins that I use all the time anyway, so I leave those and I make sure that if they're not up to date, you can click on the option to update those plugins. And then let me click back over to my list here. So yes, I keep the Jetpack plugin. I keep the Akismet plugin. Make sure those are up to date and you may need to, if you've never utilized Akismet before, there's a link there in the settings where you can go to get your sign up for a Akismet API key that you need for that to function. But that definitely helps to protect your site from spam. So definitely keep that there. Akismet works really well and it's constantly being updated. So I definitely recommend keeping that and keeping Jetpack as well. If either of those two plugins are not installed by default, I would recommend that you install them along with a couple of others that I'm going to mention here real briefly. So Jetpack, Akismet, the reason I keep Jetpack and I utilize Jetpack is that has a couple of great options. One of them recently I had a related post plugin and that company ceased to exist so I had to switch over and what that related post plugin does is underneath each of your existing posts you can have links to some of your related articles that um, are along the same lines as your existing posts. So basically what that does is, if somebody's reading about, say, this particular checklist, there's probably gonna be links to other plugins and other articles that I have about WordPress. So that'll keep your readers around longer, that'll keep people on your site longer, and that also helps to decrease your bounce rate, which helps your rankings and traffic. So anything you can do to give your readers more content that they may enjoy, is great from a user experience perspective as well. So it's a win-win situation. So that related posts option within Jetpack, and also they have the option within there under subscriptions that when somebody goes to leave a comment on your site, they can subscribe to comments. So anytime anybody else leaves a comment after theirs, they'll get an email. That option is available through Jetpack. You can enable that. And there's also ways people can subscribe to your site through the Jetpack plugin. I use something different for that because I utilize MailChimp, but there's a lot of great options. Definitely check out Jetpack. It's made by the folks at WordPress and it's highly integrated with WordPress itself for that reason. So there's a lot of other, there's sharing options I saw they added recently, and there's a whole other things that you may be able to do with just that one plugin rather than having to keep and maintain multiple other plugins. So definitely check it out. I haven't even really touched the surface on there, and I haven't used a lot of the features that are available in there, but you may be able to knock out several other plugins just by using that one Jetpack plugin. So check it out, see if there's other things in there that might be useful for you. But but uh, what other plugins do I install? The one of the main ones is the WordPress SEO by Yoast plugin. And that's what's going to allow you to have uh, meta descriptions for your posts. So when you have a post that appears in the search results for Google, you can specify what text you want to appear there. Usually it's 150 characters or less, kind of like a tweet. But uh, you can change the description in there. You can change your tags, your things that help you rank. It's a really great plugin. And I highly recommend that you install that and enable it and use that plugin for your SEO things that you set for your individual posts or pages rather than putting it into your theme because that way if you change themes down the road you don't have to worry about those settings maintain being maintained from theme to theme and that's something that I had an issue with so I had thesis theme which has the SEO stuff built in and I wasn't aware I wasn't thinking ahead that I would change themes one day down the road and as a result of that I will have to do anytime I switch from thesis to elegant themes or any other theme like that once you have have your SEO settings in the theme itself, it makes it more difficult to switch down the road. So if you have them in your plugin, everything is kind of self-contained within there and it's irrelevant to whatever theme you have. All those settings will be maintained. So that's a great plugin. That's one of the most highly recommended ones out there. And it is absolutely free. And uh, Yoast himself updates it often. And there's a lot of great tutorials on how to set that up properly and uh, exactly what to set in there. But right out of the box, it does a great job. And you in that plugin itself, you can enable sitemaps, which is something that Google needs to find your site and find your content on your site. Sitemaps make it a lot easier to do that. Previously, I used a different plugin for that. Uh, particular feature, but it's built right into Yoast, uh, WordPress SEO. So definitely take advantage of that. Make sure, I think it's enabled by default, but if it isn't on the XML sitemaps tab, just make sure you enable that, and uh, that will help you get your content ranking as quickly as possible. And there's another plugin by Yoast as well called Google Analytics for WordPress that you should install. And what you should do is go out to Google Analytics, so search for that if you don't yet have an account, sign up for a free Google Analytics account, plug in your settings for your site, so your URL, and then you will get an account from Google Analytics that you can plug into the Google Analytics for WordPress plugin. And what that does is it keeps track of your site, so you can keep track of all of your stats for your site. Uh, you can get ton of information through Google Analytics, how many people come to your site from mobile devices, what mobile devices they're using. You can keep track of traffic over time. So obviously you'd like to see a steady increase in traffic over time. If you get hit by any Google penalties or algorithm changes along the years and months that you're doing your website creation, you can clearly see that. Google Analytics is something I recommend checking at least monthly to keep track of things, make sure things are on the right track and on an increasing, hopefully, traffic, Basis and things are improving over time. But in order to get those stats tracked, you definitely need a plugin or some sort of other method. And uh, the Google Analytics for WordPress by Yoast is a great way to do that. Real easy. It uh, takes a lot of the, you don't have to edit any actual code. There's a number of different ways you could add that Google Analytics code to your site, but this is one of the easiest. So install that Google Analytics for WordPress by Yoast. And again, that's another free plugin and uh, real easy to use, and it does everything you need for you. And after that, I install the Pretty Links plugin. And what that allows you to do, once you install that, you can create short links on your site. So, all the time in my podcast episodes and on the site, I'm referencing short codes. For example, nichesitetools.com forward slash subscribe. That's a short code that I set up through Pretty Links. And it's really easy to use. It's another free plugin. And it's Pretty Links Lite, by the way. They do have a pro version that you can pay for, but I've utilized this plugin since I started several years ago, and I've never needed to upgrade to the pro version. So it's a great plugin. It allows you to create short links or pretty links to much longer, ugly looking URLs. And it's real easy for you to reference. Like If you talk to somebody on the street, say, hey, head over here, subscribe to my site at forward slash subscribe or forward slash mastermind to check out the private Facebook group. Utilize those in every single podcast episode and every post that I do. Highly recommend that. Uh, A lot of people use it. great plugin. And then the next one that I install is the Updraft Plus Backup and Restore plugin, another free plugin and it is essential for your website projects. So make sure you install this or a similar plugin but I recommend this one. I've actually had to restore my site from a full backup when it just ceased to work when I was playing around in settings I shouldn't have been and it worked flawlessly. So. That is key. Obviously, you want to have a off-site backup of your website so that if anything happens to your hosting account, you have a full backup off-site. And Updraft Plus does this for you seamlessly. And what I recommend is uh, utilizing Dropbox for this. So if you don't yet have a Dropbox account, you can head over to tools.com forward slash Dropbox. It's absolutely free. They give you a certain amount of space for free. It changes all the time. I by the default right now is by default you get two gigabytes, absolutely free just for signing up for an account. And if you do go through my link, you will get additional space, and I will as well. I think they give you an additional 250 megabytes if I'm not mistaken. So definitely worthwhile to go through that link and get additional a uh, little bit more space than you could if you just started. So once you have that, and you have the Updraft Plus Backup and Restore plugin installed, you can go to into the settings and then give it your Dropbox account information. And then what that does is you can set it up so that anytime it does a backup, it automatically transfers those files up to your Dropbox account so that you can access those files externally. And if you, in a catastrophic failure, let's say your Bluehost or whatever hosting company just decided to go away, if you have those full backups stored offline, you could move to another hosting company and restore those files to your site with some assistance, most likely, but that would be a full catastrophic, you know, everything is gone type of situation, which doesn't usually happen often. More often than not, you're going to do something. You're going to install a plugin. You're going to make some manual changes to your site. Maybe you don't know exactly what you're doing and you click on one wrong thing and boom, your site is either that particular post is inaccessible. Portions of your site are inaccessible. Whatever the reason is, as long as you have a recent backup, you generally don't have to worry. You can click One click, just kind of restore your entire site from where it was and you're good to go. Highly recommended anytime you make any changes whatsoever, even when I'm just doing a plugin update it is of the utmost importance to backup your site. I can't say that enough. And initially when I was doing it, I was doing manual backups. So anytime I did a major WordPress update or installed any uh, updates to themes in a bulk, maybe a couple of them at the same time, I would typically take a backup at that time. But what happened in my particular case when I lost my site, it just became inaccessible. All my content was still there, but I clicked on something in the WordPress database and just clicking on that caused my site to be inaccessible accessible, my content to be gone. You just get an error when you go to any content on my site. So luckily, I had a backup, but it was from two weeks prior. So it was relatively recent, but in that particular case, I still had a hard time getting things back to the way they were because I had done two podcast episodes and two posts since that last backup. So the podcast episode itself was stored out there where I host my podcast account and my uh, audio files. So all that was there, but I had to go out and recreate those two particular posts for those podcast episodes. And it took me several hours to do so. It wasn't the end of the world. Certainly I was relieved to have my site back up and running within a matter of 15 minutes by restoring things from that backup. But it's still good to set up an automatic backup. And for free through that Updraft Plus backup and restore, Store. You can restore things. Uh, you can back up things on a daily, weekly basis. And I think in order to set the actual time and get really granular, you can pay for their upgrade. But I set my site to back up weekly after I'm gonna be having my podcast episodes. So I know that every podcast episode comes out on a Monday, so typically what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna set that to backup weekly on a Monday, and then boom, I have weekly backups. I don't have to do a thing. I get an email every time those backups are done, so I know there's a full backup. I can check my Dropbox account to make sure they're there, but I haven't had any issues. I've restored individual pieces of websites and my full website, like I mentioned, and it worked 100% with no issues. So they do have full support as well. So if you do run into a catastrophic failure and you're having issues restoring your site, you can purchase support through them. So they're a great company, been around a long time, and they constantly do updates to that plugin. So it's a great plugin, highly recommended. Make sure that you set those automated backups because there's several times when I've forgotten to and uh, it could come back to haunt you. So make sure that you have those backups and uh, you do it on a regular basis. So those are the main plugins that I have. There's a couple of others that I would say are optional, but once you get going, if you wanna make sure your site is running quickly, Uh, Bluehost and HostGator recommend the caching plugin called WP Super Cache. It's a little bit more advanced. They have some settings that specifically help you optimize their site for their hosting. So if you're going to utilize one of those plugins, definitely check out their particular posts on how you configure those plugins. That's definitely more advanced. But uh, certainly... If you do some sharing on your site, you want people to share your content, there's a plugin that I use called Simple Share Button Adder, and that works really well, has over 100,000 downloads and is constantly kept up to date as well. But again, these are things after the fact, and I recommend that you try to keep your plugins to a minimum because any time that you have more plugins, it's generally gonna increase the load time for your site, which could affect your traffic and rankings. And the more things that you need to keep up to date, the more things that could potentially go wrong. I've had plugins that I've updated in the past, and then all of a sudden your site has slowness issues or certain things don't appear right on your site. If you're installing one plugin at a time or updating one plugin at a time, you can generally pinpoint, okay, something with that particular plugin broke something so I can disable that for now. Maybe contact the support for that particular plugin and see if other people are having that issue. So usually with a limited number of plugins, you have less issues. So the more plugins that you have, you can run into more issues, increase your load time So try to keep those to a minimum. Certainly, if there's a plugin that's going to help you accomplish something that you'd have to manually edit files on your website or get really in-depth, certainly go the plugin route. Definitely, if you have a need for a particular plugin, use it by all means. Just know that the more plugins that you have, the more issues that you could run into. So it's always best to try to keep those plugins to a minimum. So those are kind of the main plugins. I'll go through those again real quick. So I keep the Jetpack plugin, the Akismet plugin, WordPress SEO by Yoast, Google Analytics for WordPress by Yoast, Pretty Links, Updraft Plus, Backup and Restore. Those are the main ones. And then as you get further into it, you may want to check out a caching plugin like WP Super Cache, or you may want to install some sharing buttons like Simple Share Button Adder. But it looks like, um, the, Jetpack plugin may have some of those features built in, so check that out as well. Try to minimize those plugins. And then from there, you're going to want to install a theme. So I recommend making sure your theme is mobile responsive. So that is so important these days, especially with Google changing their algorithm. If your site is not mobile friendly, it will most likely not rank for that content for people coming from mobile devices. So make sure your theme is a theme that is up to date. It's constantly up to date. For that reason, I recommend a paid theme so that you know you have support. You know that they're invested in updating that theme and making sure that it is mobily responsive and anytime there's a WordPress update making sure that they change that with a free theme you're definitely not assured of that fact so it's highly important to spend a little bit of money to get a particular theme that's going to work for you and make sure that it's mobily responsive. So what I recommend is Elegant Themes right now is what I've been using. I utilize that for my wife's new website and utilize it for sites going forward. I'm still using an old version of Thesis on my website, so I haven't yet had a chance to update that one, but I do have a plugin called WP Touch Mobile that makes my site mobile responsive. So if you are, if you already have a theme, you already have your website set up and you're looking for a way to make it mobile responsive, definitely check out that WP Touch mobile. That would be an essential plugin if your site is on an old theme that you just don't have a chance to update. But if you are starting brand new, I would highly recommend that you utilize a theme like Elegant Themes that's supported. They have, I think, 87, at last count, different themes available that you can choose from in their suite of themes. And two of the most popular ones are Divi, which has a real great interface. It looks makes your site look really professional without a lot of uh, intervention. And another one is called Nexus. Both of those themes are mobile responsive, and I know a lot of folks that use them, love them, and uh, have had a great experience with them. And with a, with a company like Elegant Themes, you would get, uh, forum support. You get technical support via email, via phone. And uh, it's just a great way to make sure that if any new updates come out as far as security updates and things like that, you are plugged in and you will get all those updates. So for me or for anyone that I'm setting up a site for, like my wife, I installed Elegant Themes on there. Basically, you go through the vendor, you will typically get a .zip file that you would download from their website. And by the way, if you want to get Elegant Themes, you can go through my affiliate link, nichesitetools.com forward slash elegant. And uh, again, you would get a zip file when you uh, download the individual theme that you want. You'd go to your WordPress dashboard into themes and then you would upload the theme and you would do it that way. And Elegant Themes, they on their website, they have a plugin called Elegant Themes Updater and then you can add that. So anytime there are updates to your theme, you will see so right in your WordPress dashboard just like you would a uh plugin update. So when you go into your plugins, it always tells you right there in the interface how many plugins need an update. And it's very similar. You go into themes and you'll see the option there that uh, you have an update for your theme and you can install it right through the WordPress dashboard. And one other thing when you're setting up a new theme that I highly recommend is using a child theme. And you don't have to get into the details of exactly what that means. It sounds like it's complicated, but it's really not. What that allows you to do is if you have a child theme, you have your main theme, which is always out there. And anytime there's an update, you can update that main theme with no issues. You don't have to worry about anything changing on your site because all the changes that you would make as far as settings go or any changes that you'd make to the theme itself, customizations would be in that child theme. So that's so important when you have a theme like this, which would be updated constantly for any issues as far as security goes or any updates that need to happen for WordPress changes. You wanna make sure that you can update those anytime those updates come out. And under normal circumstances, if you made any customizations or changes manually to your theme, which you will inevitably down the road at some point in time, those changes could be lost when you update your theme. And the way that I do that is through another plugin called Child Theme Configurator. And all you have to do is install that Child Theme Configurator plugin, click on the settings for the plugin, and then if your theme isn't active, click it from the drop down box, click create new child theme, and then click generate rebuild child theme files, and then boom you have a child theme. So for instance, in the case of my wife, the site is built on the Divi theme and I called it Divi child theme so that I know if I go into my themes and I activate my theme there, I activate the Divi child theme and not the actual Divi theme itself. So then from that point on, all you're doing is making any of your theme setting changes in the Divi child theme section. So that's specific to the Divi theme, but I would recommend doing that for any of your themes. That way, anytime there's an update for your theme, you're not worried about making the updates and losing any changes that you've done. As long as you make all of your changes and customizations in your theme in the child theme, then you don't have to worry about making those updates. So it keeps everything independent. And using that plugin to set up the child theme just makes things easier. You don't have to manually change anything on your site. It's real quick and easy to do. And then from that time forward, you just make your changes on the child theme. And that is the theme that shows active in your WordPress dashboard. And you don't have to worry about making any updates. So that is it. That was the quick and dirty on how I go about setting up a brand new site and then some of the things that you can run into, different plugins and settings. But uh, just to recap, let me go through everything really quick. So first, obviously, you're going to want hosting. So I would recommend signing up for Bluehost for longer term hosting at tools.com forward slash Bluehost or for month to month hosting, tools.com forward slash HostGator with coupon code Niche site tools to get that that first month for just a penny. And then once you have your hosting set up, you're gonna wanna set up a domain name, a separate domain name from your hosting account. I would recommend Namecheap for that, nichesitetools.com forward slash Namecheap. And as far as domain registration goes, I would recommend using their privacy guard option. So whatever privacy function they use for your domain names, definitely take advantage of that. So now you have your hosting and your domain name, then you would install WordPress through your cPanel interface. And then from there, you would install and configure some plugins. And the plugins that I recommend that you have on any of your sites would first be Akismet, which is the spam guard option there. Jetpack, which allows you to folks on your site to subscribe to comment updates and it adds the related posts option. Then I would install the WordPress SEO by Yoast plugin for your uh, SEO options for your posts and pages. Then I would install the Google Analytics for WordPress by Yoast to make sure that your statistics for your website are tracked by Google Analytics. Then I would install Pretty Links in order to shorten those URLs and to be able to provide folks with short, easy-to-remember URLs for specific things on your website. Then I would install the Updraft Plus backup and restore plugin in, and I would link that with a Dropbox account, which you can sign up for at niche tools.com forward slash dropbox. And uh, that would take care of most of the plugins. If you wanted to go a little bit more in depth and increase the speed load time for your site, you can check out the WP Super Cache plugin and make sure that you use the settings that your web host recommends. And if you wanted to add sharing, one way you could do that as far as being able to share posts on Facebook, Twitter, and things like that, you can install the Simple Share Button Adder plugin. Those two are optional, those first sets of plugins I definitely would recommend on any sites that you have. And then from there, you're gonna to wanna to install a theme. You grab the zip file for your particular theme. I recommend premium themes, elegant themes is one of those. You can find at nichesitetools.com forward slash elegant. And two of the themes that are most popular and most used by folks that I know are the Divi theme and the Nexus theme, both are very mobile responsive. Updated often and uh, highly utilized and uh, well recommended by folks that I know. So, definitely check out uh, Elegant Themes if you're looking for a particular theme. And then, once you install your theme, make sure you install a configure a child theme, which you can do so. One of the ways is via the Child Theme Configurator plugin, and you can just name that child theme something like the name of your existing theme. So, in my case, Divi child theme then you know you're editing any changes that you make to your theme you make them in that theme you would activate the Divi child theme in my case and then make any changes to your theme through those per that particular theme and then leave your main Divi theme untouched and then anytime there is an update to your theme you can update the main Divi theme don't have to worry about any customizations that you've made in the child theme and life is good So hopefully that helps. After you've set up all that, one of the first things you're gonna wanna do beyond that is to set up a uh, mail account. And I utilize MailChimp for that, as far as my email list and gathering subscribers, automatically sending out emails when somebody subscribes to give them the two guides that I send out. So definitely would recommend signing up for a mail service like that. MailChimp is absolutely free for new folks and it is absolutely free for up to 2,000 individual subscribers and up to, I think it's 12,000 emails per month that you can send out through MailChimp. So it's a great service and I highly recommend it. And then once you have your account, I recommend you go into there. There's an option to create sign up forms and then you copy paste that code into a text widget on your site. And wherever you're going to collect emails from, then you could uh, add that to your site and uh, get that email list going right from the start. And make sure when you create your website that you have in mind that when people are going to sign up for an email, you're going to need to provide something to them, especially these days, before they're just going to openly give you their email address. So usually it's going to be some sort of e-guide or a couple of page PDF guide on something that would be related to your site that your readers would be interested in. So definitely keep that in mind initially when i created my sites i just put an email sign up form on my site without providing an incentive for somebody to leave their email address and i got zero email subscribers over a year And that didn't change until I added my free e-guides. And one of them is the keyword brainstorming guide to give people ideas on what to write about. And the other is seven simple SEO tips, posts that I had that I turned into a PDF guide. All things that are really relevant, really helpful to my audience and definitely saw the subscribers increase dramatically from that point on. And of course, referencing the uh, forward slash subscribe option in my podcast and things like that get more subscribers and make people aware of it as well. So all those things can definitely help, but I recommend for sure signing up for um, MailChimp and make sure that you create that sign-up form on your site and provide some sort of incentive for somebody to sign up and give that email address. So if you followed along this far, you now have a website that is hosted, it is up and running, it has privacy enabled, you have all the plugins that you need to back up your site, you're ready for SEO, you're gathering statistics and sending them to Google Analytics, you can create some short links, easy to remember links for folks to subscribe to your site or to take them to specific Post that you want to highlight. And you have a mobile responsive theme installed that you can make changes to without being affected by theme updates. And you have your email service set up through MailChimp, which you can configure to send out automatic updates to anybody that subscribes so that any new posts that come out will automatically be sent to them. And you should also put that MailChimp signup form on your website prominently and provide your audience with something of value. So make sure it's something that's relevant to the particular niche you're in and the particular audience that's gonna be on your site, something useful, something relevant, and something that would entice them to provide that email address to you and trust you with that email address And make sure that you do not abuse that trust. You know, obviously maintain that list yourself don't sell the list, things like that. Make sure you mention that it is a spam-free zone, stuff like that, and keep that audience coming back. Keep them engaged and uh, build up that trust with them over time, which is gonna help build that traffic and get you to where you wanna be, hopefully getting passive income down the road and making all your upfront efforts worthwhile. So hopefully this was useful to a lot of you folks out there that I know had asked about particular plugins, settings, things that I do anytime I set up a new website. And of course, if you have any suggestions on particular plugins that you think are key, leave them in the show notes for this episode, which will be nichesitetools.com forward slash checklist or the number 47 for this particular episode. Thank you so much for listening and I hope you have a fantastic upcoming week or two. Bye bye now.